0: I think it's so important that you know if you to to hire to hire people that believe in your vision and where you're trying to take your business. And actually it's about really being able to communicate that. You know, where do you there's a saying that you know if you wanna if you want to build a mighty ship that sails across the ocean, you you don't just hire a whole bunch of people and teach them how to swing a hammer. Instead, You first get the people to yearn for the open sea. And the more they yearn for the open sea, the more magnificent of a ship they'll build. And, and, you know, again, this business wouldn't be what it is today without a whole lot of people around me that yearn for the open sea on a daily basis. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Cascavalsian.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. So I have done all of you a huge disservice. I'm going to tell you right up front. And I recognized this just the other day. And I don't know what got me out of my stupor, but I can't believe that I've done a hundred and something episodes and not once have I had Brian Gottlieb from Tundra Land on the podcast. And I'm, I thought about that the other day and I, and I thought, God. What a stupid move on my part. How could I have forgotten Brian at Tundra Land? And
0: we're friends, too.
1: I mean, we're we're friends. friends. So I immediately texted Brian and I I admitted to my... How I blanked out on this, Brian, I just don't know. But thank you so much. He was gracious enough to quickly respond and said, said, of course, he would be on. And so here he is, Brian Gottlieb from Tundra Land. So... Why don't we start, we were talking just a minute ago before I turned on the recording and I made sure to tell Brian, hey, let's not talk about too much before I turn on the recording because I want to make sure I get everything that comes out of Brian's mouth. But let's talk about, real quickly, let's talk about where Tundra Land is today. Yeah. But then I want to go all the way back. I want to go all the way back to the origin of Tundra Land. So kind of where are we at today?
0: I fell off my chair when he told me this,
1: but go for it.
0: So today we have we have about 600 employees where we, we we have several products in our in our portfolio we have renewal by Anderson as one of our products a jacuzzi bathroom modeling we have a big deck business uh, we're trending to about 140 million dollars this year in revenue which you know it, it's if you ever asked me did I ever think I was going to build this business to 140 million I'd be like I, I didn't have a plan for that it's just interesting how it just shows up sometimes and you know what's what's funny is that I think the last time I saw you, which had to have been two
1: years ago, you were at 30 million. I thought, you know, I must've been off on the numbers, but have you done that much? Cr- I mean, I almost dropped out of my chair when you said one hundred forty.
0: yeah Yeah. Um, right. We have a great team though. We have a great team. And that's, yeah. can't, you can't do it without that. I'll tell yeah.
1: You. Okay. So that's where he's at today, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. Tundra Island started in
0: what year? Sure. So I started this business uh, in in May of 2009. It was, uh, you know, the recession, all of that kind of stuff was going on, uh, housing crisis, all that. So in May of 2009, prior to that, I used to be a consultant and really live on the road and stay in hotels and eat bad food all the time. And it's really hard. You know, I miss my kids. I miss my family. So I decided to start a business in Wisconsin, but, you know, I didn't have like a ton of money to put behind a business. You know, Single, yeah, you know, my dad with you know a bunch of kids. So I started this business in May of 2009 in the back of a friend's warehouse on a plastic folding table with three thousand dollars in cash. And and, and Brian, I got to tell you something, there wasn't another three thousand dollars to put into it if the first three thousand yeah. didn't work. So it had to be. Didn't
1: work, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one of the best origin stories because folding table, three thousand bucks, and we're off to the races. So that
0: first year in. Business. Do you remember kind of what you did in revenue that first year? Yeah, we opened as a sunroom company, and we did about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in revenue. And it was kind of interesting because when when I did my first hire, the first person I hired was I like, okay, I need I need to get a sales rep, you know, and got a sales rep, and then I and then I of course had to get a production person. You know, we didn't have a line of credit. We didn't have anything. So, you know, I, I remember buying this uh, very used pickup truck and putting our logo on it. And now we have a company vehicle. We were good to go. Yeah. Our first Christmas party, there were like four people sitting at a round table. <laughs> it, was a Christmas party. it was great. <laughs> so,
1: okay. So that's your first year in business. And you need to hire a sales rep. You needed to hire a production manager. You needed to sell. You needed to bring money in. So kind of tell us the first two or three years. I mean, what, what did you do in those first two or three years? Cause one of the things for the listener, one of the things we were talking about before we turned on the recording was, was foundations, you know, having a really solid, um, strong foundation to be able to grow off of. So how did you first kind of de- develop that first level of foundation?
0: Yeah. So, you know, what, what i learned early on in my career especially in my consulting days is where where entrepreneurs get stuck is they're the bottleneck of the business and they try to do so much inside of the organization that they're they're really not good at doing anything you know if you would have asked me before I started the business would I ever have a business today where I'm not like the number one sales guy I'm like no of course I'm always going to run leads but what I found is that you know I'm pulling up to a customer's home I'm on the phone with uh with a production person trying to solve a problem and and then I have to go into the home and do a full presentation with a positive attitude and I found that you know what if I really want to grow this business uh I have to start immediately letting loose of some of the things that I hold dear. And and secondly, I have to hire to my weaknesses as quickly as possible. So, you know, I had to really be honest with myself and say, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And how do I hire to that weakness very, very quickly, even if they're not going to behave like me, if they behave like me, they're just like me. I don't need another me. I need, a, I need somebody else to fill yeah. a gap. So, that, and that was an important step.
1: And you, so you started to build this team of people. So that kind of begs the question now you you obviously had a lot of business experience going in but hiring people is not easy
0: and, and I've definitely got it right and I've definitely got it wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's not easy but I think it's also what's not easy and especially for, for new businesses that are to get that are trying to get going is you know that's that's money you have to pay somebody else that you're not paying yourself And, and you have to, but it's so necessary to take that next step in business to say, Hey, you have to kind of think when you're hiring a person that you're making an investment in your business, that every time you're bringing somebody of talent on, you're truly investing in your business and an investment grows. If you're not, you have to have the courage and the belief that investing in your business by bringing on great people is a great decision for your company. Yeah. And how important, what, well, first of all, before I ask you
1: that question, so at the beginning there, you know, you, you, you had the struggle of cash flow versus salaries, and am I going to have the right person in place, is this going to be a good hire, is this going to be a bad hire, how did you kind of deal with that, because I know a lot of people struggle
0: with those first few really key hires, Right. Right. So a couple of things, again, and I've had the I've had the, the good fortune in my consulting days to visit a lot of businesses that that weren't doing well. So I, I really got to see where other companies get it wrong. And it helped me not make those same mistakes. One area where I think a lot of companies got it wrong is they got way upside down. And this is back in the, you know, back in you know, 2007 and eight, they got way upside down on their marketing spend. And now they have all this debt they can't dig themselves out of and they didn't have any money to market. One of the first things I did when I opened up the business is I set up a separate bank account and I took 7% of every single check that I received. And I stuck that in a separate account. And that was my marketing money. This way I always had money to market no matter what. And I wasn't getting in debt trying to market my business, but then moving on, i I'm trying to, you know, hire people. Look, you, you've got, you know what, you got to take a little risk sometimes, you know, you've got it. you got to, You got to take a little risk. And hopefully if you, I think it's so important that, you know, if you, to, to hire, to hire people that believe in your vision and where you're trying to take your business. And actually it's about really being able to communicate that, you know, where do you, there's a saying that, you know, if you want to, if you want to build a mighty ship that sails across the ocean, you, you don't just hire a whole bunch of people and teach them how to swing a hammer. Instead, you first get the people to yearn for the open sea. And the more they yearn for the open sea, the more magnificent of a ship they'll build. And, and, you know, again, we, we this business wouldn't be what it is today without a whole lot of people around me that yearn for the open sea on a daily basis. How did you initially
1: start? Well, I, you know, and I know you, you're very, when you speak, people listen, you're believable. You, you do paint this grand
0: vision. Was it like that at the very beginning too? It, it, the, the vision and the mission and 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 our mission statement, our vision statement, it it, it became more clear as time moved on. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, look, the, the first rule of business is to stay in business. In fact, I remember early on, I remember when it was, when it was just me, I'm sitting at a kitchen table and I'm trying to sell this guy a sunroom. And he uh, it was a it was a forty thousand dollars sunroom, it was a pretty big sunroom. And he's going in the other room. He has to talk to somebody, talk to his banker. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table thinking, if he buys a sunroom, I'm still in business. And if he doesn't, I'm done. And That's kind of where it was at. Wow. You know, I mean, the first rule of business is to stay in business. So, you know, in the beginning, it's all about survival and the whole, and, it, and you know, every lead is sacred and, and everything matters. And, you know, it, in fact, as the business grows, it's so important to keep those kind of disciplines inside of your organization. But not, but, but as, as I started adding more and more people, I realized that I have to have a, I have to have a vision that everybody can unite behind and we created a mission statement of do well and do good. And, and, and I, you know, I, I think I saw it in 2007 and eight, a lot of companies did go out of business because of you know, hubris and a whole lot of other reasons and just bad, uh, just bad times, you know, a, lot of, a lot of sad stories. But I've, I've always believed that, you know, what is the purpose of business? What is the purpose of business? And the purpose of business is to make a decent profit decently. And, and that created our mission statement of do well and do good. And, and, and we felt that if we can make a positive impact in the lives of our employees, and our community, and our customers, we're going to grow a healthy brand, and we're going to be around for a long time. And that's, and we just held true to that since the very beginning.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's interesting. So you started with, you know, talking about people, when you bring in the people, you also have to put them into a process, a system, you have to teach them, you have to train them, you have to manage them. How did you kind of figure that out at the beginning.
0: Yeah. So uh, again, early on in the early days, as I started adding a production manager and then a marketing manager and then a call center and building out a call center and all those things. The first thing is, yeah, we look, we can we can all we can all drive ourselves crazy with the KPIs of this of this industry and we can give somebody a hundred different numbers to manage on a daily basis. But but I'm a big believer that, you know, if if you can't run your division or for two, three or four numbers, you're probably you're probably giving that person too many numbers to look at. And they probably won't be good at anything. So it's all about it's all about. Simplifying the process, removing as much complexity from your business as possible, keeping it super simple and, and super trainable. And, and, and also at the same time, by the way, removing yourself as the bottleneck. I, I think anytime in the organization, we always have to analyze whether or not we're the bottleneck. So when we bring in a person on whether it's a production manager, look, they're responsible for the production of the business. Therefore, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to support them. I'm going to remove their bottlenecks, but I'm also going to hold them accountable. I'm not going to tell them how to be a production manager. That's why they're here. They're the special, I could be, I, I could be a specialist in other things. They can be a specialist in, in, in how to run the back end of a business. Did you, at the beginning, have these people help you build out the processes? Well, what's interesting is in a growing business, and if you just kind of did the math on the percentage of growth we've had every single year, I don't think we've ever grown at less than 35% since the first year we were in business, and that. You know, the the first 35% is fun after you you stack a few of those on on, on, any systems and processes you have in place, you outgrow them by the time you actually implement them. So yeah, um, the, the people inside of our organization, and fortunately we haven't had a turnover problem in our business, but yeah, they, they, they've helped grow. The, the business model and the systems that we run today and, and you know what and they need to because the, if, if I give somebody a system here this is now our process and how we're going to do things it, it, there's not as much ownership in it instead what I find really successful is be very transparent with the problems of your business uh, with your team and have them help solve that problem create a system around it and have them help drive the execution phase because because it, they'll take ownership in it and they'll probably do better than I could ever do at it Yeah. So
1: we I'm kind of taking this we talk about here at the wealthy contractor we have what I created called the success wealth and freedom framework and there it's based on three core principles and that's people process and profit in the in in this business to get, to really get leverage and to really create the business that you want and so you've just talked about people you talked about process let's talk about the importance of profitability. I asked you this earlier, I already knew the question, but you went in 2009 you started with $3,000. Right. This year you're going to do $140 million. A lot of people would think that you took debt along the way or you got a bank involved or you got money from the outside. What's the truth?
0: Yeah, a lot would think that the, that initial $3,000 in cash that I put into the business was the last penny I ever personally put into the business. Never up, took out a bank loan, never invested another penny into the business. The business had to grow on its own just by running a very disciplined business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with your your viewers here one of our favorite quotes, and that is that, that chaos produces revenue, but discipline produces profit. And it's, it's really all about making sure that we're running a very disciplined organization because revenue by itself can be chaotic but but profits can be joyous.
1: Let's stop here and take a quick break. The jobs that your crews completed this week, did you turn those customers into raving fans of your company? Have they left you a five-star review and sent you referrals? Are they going to be repeat customers of yours and will they keep producing profits for you for years to come? If you can't answer each of those questions with a big yes, then you are missing out on an enormous growth opportunity for your business. But it's okay. I have a solution for you. For over 12 years now, G4 Marketing Group has been the secret back office relationship marketing team for hundreds of home improvement and home service businesses just like yours. You get the customer and our proven system turns that customer into five-star reviews and profitable repeat and referral business. If your home improvement or a home services company completes at least 10 jobs per month, we have a solution that'll work for you. To find out more, sign up for your free, no obligation, 10 minute discovery call at www.g4marketing.com forward slash strategy. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com slash strategy. Set up your discovery call today And we will help you set your business up for long-term profits and success. Now back to the episode. So let's talk a little bit about profits because, you know, one of the things that's going on right now as we're recording this is we are in an unprecedented time of boom and opportunity in the home improvement industry. Yep. And a lot of companies, it's kind, it's even more so it's, and it's on more stable ground than 2005, 2006, 2007. It's kind of like that, but it's even better because it seems like it's on more solid ground. Seems like a lot of people will make the same mistakes that they made back then for the for people that were in business back then. And that is take on too much overhead they don't make enough money, but hey, they we're selling a lot. So let's just keep selling. We'll add people and we'll add trucks and we'll add this and we'll add that. And then when this thing normalizes, all of a sudden they find themselves overburdened with overhead and debt and they're gone.
0: Yeah.
1: And so how are you, how are you thinking
0: about that? Yeah. So always, regardless of the size of your business, you should have as many compensation structures, variable cost as possible. Big salaries without a bonus program can choke a business in a, in a downtime. And especially if you're a smaller company and you have even a couple of bad months, you know, it, it can really get you a know, chokehold on your on your business. I think it's the idea that at, at, by having a reasonable salary and then a bonus program, so there, you know, 50% bonus 50% salary. So the cost becomes more variable within the organization. That's one thing. The second thing is I think to understand how your business actually makes money, to, to realize what are the what are the things that really drive the profitability or or the loss inside of an organization. One is cycle time, from the time you sell it to the time you're actually done and paid, you know, the closer those two dates are to each other, uh, is the more profitable you'll be. So how do you control that? You know, you, your your price is your water spigot. And to understand how if your backlog is getting too big, it's a great time to start turning up price to slow down your backlog and take profits. If your backlog is getting too short, you can lower price and start building backlog. And to understand that, to not be afraid of changing your price and and, and to not be afraid... If, Look, if you're celebrating a 70% closing average, I tell you, your price is probably too low. If you've got a six month lead time, I tell you, your price is too low. So understanding the dynamic between what you charge and what you deserve to charge, by the way, and, you know, and, and, and backlog and all those sort of things are, are, are ways you can really drive profitability in this business.
1: Yeah. So that was really interesting what you said about the salary, have you know, manageable salary, but a big upside bonus. What are some of the other things that you see companies doing? Because I know you've got, you know, you talk with a lot of people. What are some of the things that you see people making mistakes on when it comes to profitability?
0: Yeah. Let me tell you the mistake I made. Okay. How about that? So early on in, in, as I was starting to add people into the business and I, I was very, and we, so we were making some money. I was very cautious with my profit and loss statement. I was keeping, you know, the the, the financials of the uh, of the business in a in, in a silo that I and maybe one other person had access to. And, you know, what I what I what I learned over the years is to be transparent with my financials throughout, you know the entire management level of the organization so that everybody knows their piece and how to drive profitability the business the business really started to grow and really became profitable when i when i started to become much more transparent with how we make money and the results of our hard work it it gives everybody something to chase and 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 it's super exciting and by the way even today all of our uh, general managers of all our businesses we run each business as a separate business they all have PL responsibility, and once a month we do a board meeting, and we put all the financials next to each other, and our entire executive leadership team goes through everything so we can see every business side by side. And it, it's super important to the, the more you can be transparent with your numbers, the more you're not alone trying to trying to grow a business. You yeah. really have partners in your business. Then that's
1: interesting, you know, because I know a lot of people, and and quite frankly, me included, I kind of keep the PL. and to myself. I don't really talk, I talk about it with my business partner obviously, um, who also happens to be my wife, so I can't avoid that conversation, but I also have been kind of like keeping it close, but we we are we measure everything. We've got numbers that have to be hit every week. We do, you know, we run the EOS model and so, you know, we've got scorecards and and accountability for that. So Let's go, again, let's kind of go back. We have a lot of listeners I know that are, you know, 10 million plus, 20 million plus that will will obviously benefit from this conversation. But I think we've got also a, a, a lot of people listening that are, I have smaller companies, you know, a few million bucks and a good opportunity to grow the business. So let me take you back to where you were, you know, two, three million dollars and what were some of the things that you had to do with yourself to get yourself to get yeah. to that next level, to get to where you you want it to go?
0: Yeah. So one again, one of the key pivots I personally had to make was. Pre pivot, pre pivot. <laughs> early on, there we were. I was just talking to. I was actually just talking to my kids about this last weekend. We were just kind of joking around about it because they work in the business too. And there used to literally be a line outside of my office for people wanting to get an answer from me so they can go off and do their job. Yeah, it's an absolute ridiculous way to run a business. Talk about talk about being the bottleneck. So one of the things I did early on is actually remodeled my office. And in my office, I have no drawers anywhere in my office. There are no drawers. And because I feel that there's a piece of paper in my office. It's in the wrong place. I'm the bottleneck. And I don't ever want a piece of paper in my office. So I had to, I had to change my mindset on saying, I am just not going to be the bottleneck anymore. My role inside of the organization is how do I help my leaders become better leaders? How do I, how do I shift my focus, whether it's, and look what, and this is, by the way, this is true. If you're a, a $2 million company or a, or a hundred million dollar company, you know, understanding what is truly your role inside of the organization. and, and 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 people crave leadership and and be that leader for them and and focus your time on on working with the people and and you'll be amazed how well your business grows. I think the other thing that uh, was realized early on is that if you look at any organization, if you're trying to grow your business right now and you're at whatever, you're at one, two, three million, you're trying to take that other step or or you're like, oh my gosh, we've grown more than I thought we would grow and I don't know how to keep up with it. And you're putting managers in place to try to manage all that. I think if you think about your business this way, that you have an org chart and at the top of the org chart is you, you're the CEO at the top of the org chart. And if you have any you know executive leaders, they get well-developed because they're next to you and you're talking to them all the time. Uh, your frontline people, your, your marketing people, your salespeople your production people we know they're all they're all scripted they're trained you've got you got to do all this stuff before you can even talk to a customer they're, they're developed like crazy but the people that don't get developed inside of an organization are the frontline managers the people managing those people there's no real good management training program for you know what what are the 10 behaviors of a good manager you know and and if we spend as much time Training our managers how to manage and how to do performance reviews and how to do all these other kind of things, uh, that's really going to affect your growth significantly.
1: Yeah. Incredible stuff. You know, one of the things that I'm always curious about is, you know, before you before you started Tundra Land, you had an income. Well, and, and the number doesn't matter. For everybody, it's a different number. It doesn't matter. Call it a hundred thousand, whatever you had your first couple of years, maybe you made it, maybe you didn't, but then the money started to come in. And then the money started to, at some point, really started to accelerate. One of the things that I know just from my own personal experience is that if your mind is stuck at that 100 level, there's no way you're ever going to make 200. How did you personally, how did you deal with that? How do you go from, you know, I'm making X amount and now I'm going to make 2X. I'm going to make
0: 10X. I'm going to make 50X. Yep. yep. Uh, I don't know if you're a sports fan or not, Brian. Not really. I'm not, a really but I get the fan. analogies though. Yeah, okay. I think, you know, there are some great athletes that are playing today better than ever before. They're breaking records like crazy. And, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to come along and break whatever record is being set today. The exception to this is what happened on May 6th, 1954. There was a sports record in the books back then. Back then, nobody thought anybody would ever break it. The the mass consensus was the lungs weren't big enough and the legs weren't strong enough. It's the day that Roger Bannister, there you go. It's the day that Roger Bannister ran the four-minute mile. Nobody thought the human body could until he did. But once Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile, within the next 12 months, eight more people ran a four-minute mile. Roger Bannister redefined the, the notion of abundance. And I think as a, as a business owner, and, and by the way, every new hire that we bring on our, in our company, we tell that four-minute mile story for. Because we want people not just to have a job, but to have a career path, and more importantly, to have their own four-minute mile. We as owners, we have to have our own four-minute mile we have to truly embrace abundance. We have to communicate the idea that every single individual in our organization is truly limitless. And, and it's, we get to redefine what, limits, what limitless means. But to do that, we too have to believe that. And, and I think you have to be, a, you do, you, you're a business owner that's worked super hard. You, you, deserve to be, you deserve to be successful. And the more successful you are, the more successful you can be for others. Okay, good answer. But how how did you you do it? (laughs) How did you convince
1: yourself? you got to convince yourself, I can make, look, if you've never made a million dollars a year, if you've never made whatever, again, whatever the number is, but if you never made a million dollars a year before, it's daunting. It's like, how am I ever going to do it? Uh, And then you think, you you know, one of the things I see a lot, a lot is people, you know, uh, how much money do you want to make in the business? Well, I want to make, you know. Uh, five hundred thousand dollars I want to make a million dollars well what's the most money you've ever made before 150 thousand I know just again from my personal experiences if you don't get your head to that number correct right get there. first there's never any way that you're
0: going to be able to connect that line right you know, w- w- which comes first you know the calculator, Or the vision that you can actually push some buttons on and get a total, right? Right. The vision always comes before reality. You have to have that vision for yourself on what you you have have to believe. The vision. It always starts with believing. It always starts with believing. So how did
1: you convince yourself? How did you believe that you could go from three thousand dollar folding table to well? You know, this is, this is now uh, you, you you've crossed over into a different path. I want to know just even getting to $10 million making seven figures, 20 million making seven figures. How did you connect those, the two sure. things?
0: So, you know, to, to understand that, I, you know, I, I never went to college until until a few years back when I went to Harvard Business School. I just want to put that out there. But before yeah. that, you know, I, was, I was I barely graduated from high school. OK, and I, I didn't even know how to read a financial statement, you know, years and years ago. But but what I did believe my entire life is that to never be held hostage to rules that we create in our own mind. Because what happens is we create these rules in our own mind as to how how big or we can be or how successful we can be, and then we build a life around it. And I think that you know these are rules that you've created in your own mind. If you don't like the rules, change the rules. you're Your rules. And I think we can create any rules we want for ourselves. And I think we always have to realize that again we have to we have to believe in abundance. My wife is big. She did. She just got, got published in Chicken Soup for the Soul and and writing on something about abundance. Where you know we're, we're big believers in that. And I try to instill that in the people inside of our organization, our children all the time that, that, you know, think big and then, then a little bigger than that too. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, if I can
1: I'm going to do a plug. I usually do it at the beginning and at the end, but I didn't get a chance at the beginning. So I'm going to do a plug because the the book I wrote, the seven secrets to becoming a wealthy contractor, the very first quote unquote secret is to, to have real clear, uh, clarity about where you're going, to know what you want. And then the number six, secret number six is all about taking control of your mind and your thinking and your beliefs. And it, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. By the way, if anybody wants to get a free copy, go to thewealthycontractor.com. I buy the book, you pay for delivery. I can't do better than that. You can get a free copy, but I, this is something that every successful business owner has is that they have a very clear vision. They have this belief in abundance and what's interesting. So what's really interesting is uh, when I came to visit you, you started Tundra land in a relatively small market. There, there are more cows than people actually. Yeah. There are more cows than people. And you had you gone in with this scarcity mindset of, well, where are these jobs going to come from? Because you had competition. There's, you know, there are other companies out there. Yeah, fairly big competition, strong
0: competition. Strong,
1: yeah. But you grew in this small little market. So if you didn't have that mindset of abundance, there's no way you could grow. And I see so many people, like I did a big webinar today for one of the roofing manufacturers. And, we talk about this this is like one of the i i always start with mindset because we could i mean you could come in have somebody come through your business show them everything here's how we market here's how we sell here's how we get jobs done here's our customer service department you can give them all of it but if they don't have this right None of that is going to mean anything. That's why when I wrote this book, I didn't write about here's how you create a, a successful home improvement company. That stuff you could go get. That stuff. Right. I want to know what what is the thinking that gets somebody to
0: to that next level. Mm-hmm it's right on point and and Brian everybody should get a copy of that because it's right on point because you do have it all starts with with your belief system yeah. getting your mind right and be prepared to grow I'll give you one more quote we have inside of our company I,
1: I love these quotes keep them coming
0: and it's, we're, we're, we're an open book I'll, I'll give I'll give a tour to anybody that ever wants to come by and see our place by the way just putting that out there yeah and I'm never worried about well what are they going to copy you our saying is this if you if you want to copy our performance you first have to copy what goes on inside of our people's heads. Yeah. Because yeah. because if you if you want to know what our true point of differentiation is, it's what goes on inside of our people's heads. Yeah. It's our yeah. belief system. It's it's the belief that we have in each other and and the belief that we have in ourselves. And, and as a as a as a significant point of differentiation, that becomes very, very, that, that's very difficult to compete with because you can believe I, you can do anything.
1: <laughs> exactly. And And well, what's interesting, too, is right now, one of the big challenges is finding people. You have 600 people. Correct. Right. And I'm sure that you, you're hiring every week. You've probably got a department that's just hiring people, right? Oh, yeah. So, one of the things that has to be, and I, I talk to people about this all the time, you know, the, the word culture is thrown around a lot. I, quite frankly, I didn't understand culture until three years ago when we started to do EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. I I really didn't understand it. It's basically, you just gave your company culture. We believe in abundance. We believe in our people. We wanna give people a place where they can be successful. I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's how I heard it, right? right? So if you come to Tundra Land, we're gonna give you tools, resources to be successful. But not only that, we're gonna support you. And you're gonna have a team of people around you. When you develop that, you know, people are wondering, well, how do I get good people or great people to come and work for me? He just gave it to you, right? If you're listening, he just gave it to you. If you listen to the way that he talks about coming to work at Tundra Land and what they do, that's their quote unquote culture. Go
0: ahead. You were going to say something. Sorry. Every company has a culture, right? So, you know, and so what is your culture? You can inspect a culture very simply too. If you look at how do you hire How do you fire, how do you promote, and how do you compensate? It, when you start to look at you know how, how well how do we score ourselves? Does anybody ever get fired inside of your company and they were surprised by it? They should never be surprised. You know how do you how do you hire people? What do you see as important? How do you promote people? What you know what what does your organization consider valuable? And how do you compensate them? You know what what does what your reward system look like? Because that's going to tell you what's important inside of your company. Uh, and I'll share with you one more thing, Brian. You know, when I started the business, if you would have asked me what we were, I would have said we were a uh, construction company, which we were. If you would have asked me, I don't know, six years ago, I would have said, well, you know, we're a sales and marketing company that happens to be in construction. If you ask me today, I'd say we're a training organization. That's what we are. First and foremost, you know, we recruit, train and motivate people. That's what we do. And, and, And culture for that. And it's funny because it changes
1: over time, right? Because I say it all the time. This we're a sales and marketing organization that happens to sell fill in the blank. But at a certain point, it has to go. It has to go beyond that because you need, this business
0: is so people driven. It sure is. We're the last mile, right? We are. And and I think that's the other thing that as, as a company grows, you know, one of the risks that, that you run as, you're, as you start adding layers to your business, right? All of a sudden, The CEO is so far away from the customer and, and then, you know, an organization is ripe for disruption. Uh, You you know, you always want to figure out how do you, how do you keep that org chart flat and how do you stay very, very close to the customer? Uh, Because, because that's how, you know, that's how you're going to grow a a great business. We have a, at every one of our meetings, we keep an empty chair in our meeting every single one of our meetings, sales meeting, production meeting, doesn't matter there's an empty chair. And that's always for our customer because we always want to talk about stuff. And then we want to see how does that relate to our customer? And is this a good idea? Wow, that's and, really cool. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's it's important to our business, it's important to our culture.
1: Yeah. Well, it's obvious that you're not having a whole lot of fun doing this. You're <laughs> like yeah. as long as I've known you though, I think I met you in in you were probably four years maybe into the business or five years into the business. And you were like this, excited and and just You know, always had this smile on your face and like real high energy way back when. And it's it's funny how it's the the again, going back to what we were saying before about the foundation. One of the things that I I say to people all the time is, you know, when talking about profitability and profit model, if your profit model is broken at when you're doing a million dollars, it'll be broken when you're at three. It'll be broken when you're at five. It'll be broken when you're at ten. Yeah. It kind of goes too with like, with people, you know, with processes, with you, yourself, if, if you're a miserable guy or woman, and you're trying to build this company, it's going to be tough, because
0: any weakness in your business gets really exposed upon growth. Yeah, any, any weakness really starts to show up, you know, you can get by certain areas, you know, when you're smaller, but as you're trying to grow, up. And I think, I think a lot of companies right now are experiencing, you know, a really, really big backlog, and, and, you know, trying to find labor, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And these are, these are complicated issues. And, you know, I think you have to really, you, you have to think, how can you, how could you, one of the things we did in our business is, you know, we're trying to get all these bath installers, we do it we do a lot of, we do a lot of bath projects every single month. And, you know, we have to change the way we looked at onboarding and training people. We dedicated a giant chunk of our warehouse to a, we built a classroom with baths in it and and, and shower stalls. And we can now train in groups. I think you have to constantly try to reimagine your business if uh, uh w- when you're stuck with a big backlog because you you, you want to be able to grow you want to be able to keep up with that growth but then you also want to be able to continue to grow if the economy pulls back a little bit to not be so exposed as you were saying earlier brian with a whole ton of overhead and and you know you, and to look back in the mirror and say wow we grew accidentally it's it's much better when you grow intentionally yeah. because that's sustainable you know, you brought up one other thing and I'm, 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 I'll, uh, I'm going to start wrapping up here.
1: I'm looking at the clock. You and I, I, I hope you'll come back again because yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you should have been on t- at least twice already. So we're a little bit behind. So, uh, we'll set something up again. Cause I, I run this guy too, uh, for all of you guys listening that, Brian, he is a brilliant marketer too. That's a whole nother conversation and it, it'll be, it would be a fun conversation to have, um, but talk about the importance of the customer. I know you are very customer focused. Talk about that a little bit and, and how important that's been for you. And what are some of the things that you did early on to make sure that you were developing those customer relationships?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm, the customer is it, to, to be customer centric is super important. to to get there, you have to be, you have to be a great employer. You have to have fantastic, you have to have great employees that are going to treat that customer well. I I think if you don't treat your employees well, they're never going to treat your customer well. I think what happens in a lot of businesses is you get so stuck on in a meeting and talking about the the, the job that went wrong and talking about, you know, the nightmare customer. And, And we forget to talk about all the positive experiences. And it's about connecting. I think it's connecting everybody in the organization to the why of the business, you know, whether it's the window business, or the bath business, and the bath business is an easy one. Yeah, does the warehouse person understand that by them putting the product in the installer's vehicle proper, it can make or break the difference between somebody taking a shower safely in their own home? Yeah. And, and and that's a big deal. It's a big responsibility that we all own a piece of of making sure our customer can be safe in their own home. And and not one role is more important or less important in that process. We we can't do it without each other. And constantly communicating that to everybody. And that, I think that's that's key. You know, it's interesting that you say that because we we do customer experience
1: workshops at least once a year. And one of the, the main things that we talk about, and I think a lot of people forget about, is, is just that. It's is it, just because the person is in the all the way in the back of the office, in the cubicle, all the way in the back, that doesn't talk on the phone to customers, doesn't mean that they're not also somehow involved in that customer experience. Exactly. Everybody has got to understand this idea of being customer centric, that the customer is the most important person in our business. I know you guys have done this as good as anybody in the, in the business.
0: Which is by the way, that empty chair reinforces that. When our accounting department has a meeting, there's an empty chair in there and they're they're talking about, okay, if we're going to make this change to our, the way we process payments, how does it affect our customer? I think it's constantly, constantly talking about that. And I appreciate that, Brian. Yeah.
1: Well, Brian, I, I don't know. I think we could keep going for another couple hours, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to, we'll just stop right here. I'll ask you to, to come back again and share more. Any, anything, let me ask you one last question. Anything that, when you look back over the last 11, 12 years, is there something maybe that you would have done different or you would have done sooner
0: in the business? I, I think that, that removing complexity there's never a better time to remove complexity from your business. I, I think as a business grows, you start to put systems and processes and all this kind of stuff in place. And before you know it, you need all these people to manage all these systems and, and the, the business gets, you almost become, you're in the business of sales prevention almost. Yeah. And, and it's constantly stripping out the complexity inside of your business and looking at it from the outside. And again, looking at it through the lens of the customer. It's it's an interesting, you know are you, are you easy to do business with? And because there have been times in our growth that we weren't. And you know, we've had to, we've had to correct our own steps because of that. But always analyzing, you know, are, are we the types of company that we would want to do business with ourselves? Nice. I mean, and, and if you focus on that, you'll be just fine. Nice. Love it. Well, Brian from
1: Tundra Land, thank you. Good. I appreciate you finally being here. I mean, what's taking you so long? No, I know. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> Again, to everybody that's watching or is listening to this, go get a copy of the Seven Secrets book. You can get it at thewealthycontractor.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is another one of these episodes that you want to go back and listen to again, because there are things that I know that you missed. So go back and listen to this one again. And until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The 7 Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. And finally, a big thanks to G4 Marketing for sponsoring the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. For over 12 years now, G4 Marketing has been the secret back office relationship marketing team for hundreds of home improvement and home service businesses just like yours. You get the customer, and our proven system turns that customer into five-star reviews and profitable repeat and referral business. If your home improvement or home services company completes at least 10 jobs per month, they have a solution that will work for you. To find out more, sign up for your free, no-obligation, 10-minute discovery call at www.g4marketing.com forward slash strategy. That's g fourmarketingcom slash strategy. Set your discovery call up today and they'll help you set your business up for long-term profits and success. So until next time, this is Brian here.